Hello and welcome to Premier League on Tap, your FPL draft podcast. My name is Nate, better known as Draftopia, and with me is Zach, aka Drafting for Upside. Zach, what's new, man? How are you? I'm doing great, Nate. Been a, a busy few weeks, uh, hence why we weren't really able to get out the second pod last week uh, for the for the worthy listeners. But it's good to be back in the hot seat, and uh, I'm looking to finish these last three weeks before the World Cup strong, and then take a, we can take our our break. Yeah, yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, apologies again for no pod last game week. We just didn't have the time available in our schedules, like you said. Um, really, we want to put out a show that's worth listening to, and we just couldn't get around to it last week. I uh, just didn't have the time to put things together. Uh, but for those of you who follow us on Twitter, at PL underscore on tap, we hope you're able to take away some good information from our extremely long thread covering each matchup. Uh, it's a nice little peek behind the curtain of how we prep for these episodes. Um, that was basically just the show sheet of notes that we use to uh, detail the matchups. Uh, a lot of information we pull and the stats we analyze uh, to influence some of our opinions come from FBREF. Zach, tell us a little bit about what you put together this week. So I wouldn't say I necessarily put together a masterpiece, but um, I know you talked to me a little bit earlier about FB Ref and, and some of the stuff they've got going on behind the scenes. So I decided to take a deeper look than maybe some of the standard stats that the community um, I would hope is using right now to look at uh, player analysis. Um, so what, two of the things I was really interested in were uh, the differences between uh, expected goals, expected assists, and what players are actually getting, which I know um, some people out in the community have been doing, but this one is obviously live updating and it's pretty quick. You can generate that report yourself. Um, and also looking at uh, something I never heard of before, which was uh, shot creating actions and goal creating actions, which I think um, would hopefully give you a better indicator maybe of a player's involvement uh, up to goals, up to chances, more than just a key pass or an assist would show you on a piece of paper, this is uh, going to capture the two offensive actions prior to a goal scored with shot rebounds, passes, take-ons, and also penalties or fouls drawn. So it might capture some of those guys that we think have some positive regression or negative regression inbound. And um, I actually took a look and plotted out a couple of their um, shots created and uh, goals created efficiencies per 90 and got some some interesting statistics from that. Um, you know, some guys definitely more efficient than others and a lot of that's gonna be based upon each team's expected, you know, goal output that we put out in these um, betting odds every week. Mm-hmm. Um, the better offenses are clearly gonna be more efficient player by player and the worst offenses are you know shocker not going to be uh putting the ball in the back of the net for every chance created so it's uh definitely worth looking into and we'll highlight it kind of um a little bit throughout this show and and more shows in the future for sure yeah yeah for those of you that don't know uh fb ref announced that they've partnered with stats perform opta this partnership allows them to dramatically expand their coverage of leagues and competitions with advanced stats. And what that means for us is that they now use the same stat metrics that Fantrax uses, which is awesome. Uh, it's also wise to do your own due diligence when trying to find that perfect streamer for the next game week. Uh, 
So go ahead, check out fbref.com and follow them on Twitter at fbref to jump down the statistics rabbit hole. Uh, now it's time to jump into the game week 14 fixtures. Starting off Saturday games, we've got Leicester, Man City. Man City favored by 1.75 goals with an over-under of 3.25. Zach, run us through these sides real quick. Talk to us about injuries and who you're looking to start from each team. So we heard today that Ndidi is going to play uh, from Rodgers, thankfully. Um, the one thing is, is I know Sumari has been playing pretty well there in the midfield, and that's been one of the big reasons for their uh, recent success, amongst other reasons, um, namely Valtface. But uh, <laughs> I think we could see Leicester give Man City a run for their money in this game. We've got an in-form Danny Ward in that. Uh, hopefully he Some rolls kind of on. Form. Yeah, as in-form as he ever gets. So uh, all jokes aside... Uh, I wouldn't be excited about starting anybody on Leicester uh, except Madison. I think if you have players like Harvey Barnes and maybe a Patson, Daka, or a Vardy, it becomes a little bit more difficult of a decision because, you know, as, as good as City are, like you might not have better options than them. And um, it... The difference between forwards and midfield scoring against City aren't quite as drastic as like a defender who I wouldn't even consider starting in this no matter what their name is. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could end up being stuck with them, but you're rolling Madison out there as like a mid. I'd expect him to score like a mid three in this game, even though that sounds kind of weird. And uh, the other guys would be more along streamer categories. And like I was saying, you might be forced to start them just out of lack of manpower. You know, it's either play them or start a streamer like what's the difference I guess at that point so I can understand that but for the most part Leicester's pretty healthy Uh, on the Man City side we've got Walker out uh, which doesn't affect too much you'll see either Stones or Gomez or some other mix of players step into that defense which I'm not actually that excited about uh, other than Concello Uh, but you know you're starting all those attackers and uh, this this is a pretty simple matchup, so uh, I'm not going to go too deep into the analysis. You know, City players are good, and Leicester's um, expected to be beaten by 1.75 goals with an over/under 3.25. So, yeah, that tells you everything. Yeah, I think we could see a very similar scoreline to City's last game against Brighton. Um, not saying that <clears throat> Leicester's going to dominate possession as much as Brighton did, or I guess as much as any team could against City uh, but we have seen City susceptible on the counter attack before so it if Leicester were to get anything from this match I would assume it has to come through Madison whether it be a set piece or uh, him scoring or assisting but I wouldn't really take the risk on any other uh, Leicester attacking pieces like Daka or Vardy especially because you know either one of them is only going to play 60 minutes maybe um depending on which one starts. And then Barnes is pretty ball-dependent. If they don't have possession of the ball, he doesn't score very well. Uh, And then your midfielders like Tielemans, uh, Dewsbury Hall, probably more than likely going to get a yellow card in this match, so they're going to have to score well to outset that. And it's just too many question marks surrounding the rest of that side. So, yeah, I'm sticking with Madison only. Uh, As far as City goes, I don't really want any part of their defense. That's not Cancelo. Um, but then, yeah, you're starting pretty much anybody that's in the attack. 
and anybody in their midfield. Uh, one thing I did want to touch on, though, because I do own him in one league, is Grealish. Uh, he's scored well in, like, one or two games, but then the rest, he's pretty much, like, non-existent. He's, he's playing well, but it's not translating into Fantrax points. What, I mean, are you considering moving him at all if you do own him? Uh, that's a good question. I personally would not. I think we might see uh, some regression inbound for him. He's actually second in um, uh, shot uh, creating actions right now amongst the league after Kevin DeBrun. Uh, so I think if we see maybe some more conversion on the attacking end, which I know sounds weird because it's City, you could see his, his numbers spike a bit. Uh, potentially his shot creating actions uh, aren't necessarily I mean yeah they're just they're just not being potent right like he he might be getting a take on or something but the person might miss the net or uh, what what have you with the shot so we, we'd like to see that efficiency from him it looks like he's at around 12% of his um, shots created turn into goals so I think it would be you know, it, it wouldn't be unlikely to see that number rise since he's getting the ball in a more advanced part of the pitch uh, to see that come up to maybe uh, more like 20% when you see Kevin DeBrun, who's making a lot more passes from uh, deeper back at 24%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It, I guess I'll have to see a little bit more. Maybe I'll ponder it over the World Cup break, so... Mm-hmm. hopefully he gets the start this weekend and I can trot him back out there and hope for the best but yeah I think that's pretty much covered this matchup start your city players as usual well um, the one thing I would say uh the one word of caution is we didn't mention the Holland injury uh obviously he could be out for this game we've seen the video of him limping around so in the case that he's out uh that's going to probably downgrade most of the offensive assets for me because obviously if a guy's banging in what 17 goals in the Premier League so far that's going to raise the stock of everybody around him and Mm -hmm. do the opposite of that when he is not in the squad so like I was just talking about with Grealish seeing those numbers go up uh, if Holland's out of the squad I would not expect them to go up I'd actually expect them to go down for everyone including KDB uh, and compounding with that is if one of those guys gets stuck at the center forward position, I don't know if any of you guys rostered Foden or Grealish, whoever was at the center forward position last year. Uh, I actually rostered both of them um, to my pain because they really sucked whenever they had to play that position. <laughs> Even though the team would play well, they moved the ball well, they'd mm-hmm. keep possession. It just didn't result in fantasy points. So I'm worried that we could be moving back to that if we don't see Holland in this lineup. So just a word of caution, you're still starting him, but just don't. You might want to insert a little bit more upside somewhere else in your lineup, and they might be more of a floor play. Um, but I would definitely prefer the left winger as opposed to that se- the center forward position. Um, yeah, that's a good shot. It could be Alvarez, for all I know. We, we don't know yet, but I wouldn't just be like, oh, whoever's at striker, they're like 60% of Holland. That's not necessarily the case. Understandable. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, for the sake of time, we got to move on to the next matchup, though. There's a lot we could talk about with City. Oh, but yeah. But 
with uh, the next matchup, Newcastle, Aston Villa. Newcastle minus a half a goal here, and the over-under sitting at 2.5. Uh, Newcastle still a bit injured going into this this one. Uh, Isak's still out. ASM's still out. Um, but we'll probably see somewhat the same lineup we've seen for the last three or four weeks without these two players. Um, this team is hard to stream from because none of their players are really available that are starting. It's similar to Arsenal in the fact that they don't rotate that often, so there's really no one to pick up. Uh, everyone's mostly taken at this point, rostered above 70-ish percent chance, uh, or 70%. Uh, one person that I did note from Newcastle is uh, Sean Longstaff. Um, it's a punt mid. If you desperately need somebody to play there, I'd consider it. Um, otherwise, there's really no one here that you can stream. Um, but I think that most of your Newcastle attackers and their defenders are must-starts in this matchup against Villa. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, I hate this scenario where you've got a team that just lost their manager and just got a new manager and is trying to prove everything. For mm -hmm. me, that really turns me off of this Newcastle team. And honestly, I think that's probably reflected in the odds because if you had this matchup a couple of weeks ago, it'd probably be more like Newcastle minus one and a quarter or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and they're at home, so you'd think they'd even get a little bit of a favorite, uh, a little favorite bump for that. I'm not ecstatic about Newcastle, especially with Isak and ASM out. Obviously, we know they're a top-tier team when they have all their guys, but the one thing they really lack is depth, and I don't consider Sean Longstaff uh, the most exciting depth, though he is a punt mid. So, in the end, you're starting Wilson. You don't have a better option, and uh, like your, you know, your Bruno Gimarez. Your, your defenders are fine. I wouldn't wouldn't worry about Aston Villa putting up another four nothing win here. But at the no. same time, just curtail maybe some of that excitement for the name of Aston Villa just because the new manager effect is real. We've seen it in the past, and I anticipate us seeing it here as Villa kind of pack it into a 4-2-3-1 like they did last game. Yeah, I think with this one being at home to Newcastle, I think that gives them a, a better edge than they would have. Uh, I think Villa will be riding high after their dominant display against Brentford, but... This Newcastle team is just so solid in defense, and that's exactly that's where their base. I mean, that is their base. That's where everything stems from. Is just being so efficient defensively. Um, I don't see Villa getting more than one goal if they get anything out of this matchup. Um, is there anybody on the Villa side that you think is like a must start or someone you're looking at possibly streaming? I think you have to start Buendia and Watkins if you didn't already know that. Uh, I actually streamed Dendonker last week on one of my teams just because I didn't like the matchups for any of my other mids, and I thought his was um, I thought his was okay, and figured he'd go a decent chunk of minutes, which he didn't necessarily, but he still pulled through in the end. So him as a mid five, like a lineup filler, I'm good with. And Douglas Louise, we'll see if he gets some sets. I know there's plenty of guys who could steal him off of him, but he's a decent mid four. Uh, I personally would avoid Ings and Bailey just because, like you said, Newcastle is kind of a defensive powerhouse. I think they're like a bottom three matchups 
bottom three matchup for uh, attackers and for midfielders. Not quite as intimidating, but along the same lines. So, yeah, I'm not thrilled about Villa, though I did say earlier, you know, they're all trying to prove it to a new manager. I wouldn't get taken away with that. From the offensive side of the ball, I think you could just see a close game here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on to the next game here, we've got Crystal Palace and Southampton. Palace are favored by half a goal uh, with an over-under at two and a half. Uh, doesn't look like Palace have any injuries of note. Um, I think you're going to start the front three like you normally would. Well, at least Eze, Elise, and Zaha. Uh, you could throw in Eduardo in there, but uh, Decor is back. I think he was suspended their last time out, so maybe that's why they got absolutely trounced by Everton. Um, so he's an okay uh, mid four or five stream. Um, I think you could kind of throw Schlupp in that midstream as well. Um, but I'm completely out on this Palace defense. Um, I'm going to throw Joachim Anderson out there one more time this week. And if he doesn't score well, I think it's time to rotate him out. Whether I throw him on the bench or I just drop him to uh, the waiver wire, maybe he still has some chance to be traded out for. Um, but his scores have just plummeted in the last few game weeks. Um, what What are your thoughts on Anderson? I think you got to hold on to him for right now. Every, every defender is going to kind of go through periods like this. And uh, kind of like you were talking about earlier with Ducore being out, I think that really had a big impact on that last game. They were forced into putting Milivojevic at that holding spot and didn't hold back by really loading it up with uh, plenty of offensive players around him. I know Eze and Olise are capable of playing some defense, and Ayu loves to track back. It's one of the things that Vieira loves about him, but uh, they didn't have that same defensive presence in that midfield clearly, and I think his return will give them some more confidence to go forward. And uh, like if Schlupp goes in there as well, I think that that helps him out in general because... I mean, it, the offense will see more of the ball if they can kind of maintain it a little bit better. But I, I feel like they were just kind of getting run through in the midfield and there was just a big disconnect between the defense and and the offense. So mm-hmm. you could see some of the defenders take the hit for that too. But like you said, uh, I don't trust any of them other than Anderson. And to be honest, it's not like Southampton is some sort of offensive powerhouse. So mm-hmm. I'd roll them out there. Uh, and just, I mean, he's got a good floor here, so I would, I would have pretty good confidence in him. And like we've always said, it's not his clean sheet potential. They're not really a clean sheet team. Mm -hmm. It's, it's his ghost points. So hopefully those come back in a good way this week. And you could, you could end up, end up benching him in the future if he doesn't do great here, but I would not drop him. Yeah. I guess the silver lining is that he still ended up with one point and then they allowed three goals. So, I mean, he's still ghosting relatively well with a base of, like, seven, eight ghost points. So it's just, they just stop conceding so damn much, and then, I mean, a clean sheet would be great. <laughs> uh, as far as the Southampton side goes, it looks like uh, Lavia has 
possible to return this weekend, but I don't think Hassan Hoodle is going to put him out there just yet. We might see a couple minutes from him. Uh, and then Bella Kochup, I think the last I saw, he might play. Um, but don't quote me on that one. I still think he's in that like questionable tier. Um, starters in this one, I think really the only starter option for Southampton right now is Che Adams when he starts because he ghosts relatively well. At this point right now, if I'm a James Ward-Prowse owner, I'm not playing him in matchups until Levia returns because that allows him to get forward more. His like average point right now in the last five, six, seven weeks is like five points. Like you could, I mean, yeah, he's you're basically your midfield one or two now becomes your midfield four or five. I mean, where are you at with James Ward Prowse right now? I mean, I just don't know who else you're going to put out there over him. It, I know he's been doing poorly, but it's not like it's a negative matchup for him. And I know a couple of them in the past have been negative where you kind of expect these negative returns from him. I, I do get what you're saying, though, and it it has definitely held him back not having a strong defensive presence with him. Um, part of me wonders if this is just kind of the wave that you're going to ride with JWP in a very subpar offense and, um, you know, in the clean – or not the clean sheets, the set pieces kind of start drying up, maybe he's still taking them, but they're just not resulting in anything. Yeah. You, you might you're gonna see points like he's had the couple past couple weeks, but he's probably a buy low option right now objectively. If you're looking to do so, I just I do agree. I I wouldn't love rolling him out there, but I don't know how you're gonna stream someone much better. Yeah, I mean unless you have a streamer available on your waiver wire of a attacking midfielder with a plus matchup, which is really hard to come by. <laughs> um, but I even think that like someone like uh, Onana for Everton could be a better replacement this game week because you know his floor is very similar to Ward-Prowse, but he also has... I guess they have the similar upsides because you have Ward-Prowse taking set pieces where Onana is a set-piece target. Um, but yeah, I, I would try maybe to trade him out if you can get round two value for him at this point i would bite your hand off for it i don't think you can that's the thing he's got what four six and a half six six and a half eight. Oh he's, yeah since I, the first two game weeks where he scored 17 points he's scored less than 10 from right, there on but out he, but i mean that might be a little bit of a loaded stat in that he's he's scored at least six points in all but what two matchups so far so he's He's definitely got a really rock-solid floor, and in this matchup, it's definitely not bad. Like we've been talking about on the other side of the ball, Crystal Palace is pissing us off with not getting clean sheets, so maybe JWP is the guy who, you know, gets an assist or something in this game, comes back, and we're like, hey, why the heck did we bench him all those? <laughs> Fair enough. Bench him all those games. So, Is there anyone yeah. from the Southampton side that you're looking to stream in this matchup? Yeah, I, I like uh, Aribo this week. He's 
been uh, he's been ghosting pretty well. I know he's gotten a lot of minutes lately, but obviously he's gotten a week off since last week. He started both games, to my knowledge. I think he's in the manager's good graces, and I even played forward last week. So I think I actually prefer him in the midfield, but wherever he plays, I'm starting him as like a mid mid four with some mid three upside. And uh, Stuart Armstrong actually is an interesting guy. I, well, not not interesting to most people because he <laughs> obviously hasn't gotten any attacking returns lately, so he's not turning any heads. But uh, he is definitely getting involved in the play. I believe he's twenty second in um, in shot creating actions right now. Mm-hmm. So that would put him right between uh, Sun Hoangmin and Pedro Neto. With James Madison, another below. Okay, Osaka, another below him. So those are some good names to be around. Uh, unfortunately, that team just is not very potent, and, that, and that's going to be the result in his 0% efficiency in converting any of those um, shot-creating actions into goal-creating actions. Yeah, I mean, he had the goal last week against Arsenal, but, I mean, this team really only averages one goal a game, so you right. better hope it's him every time. <laughs> right. Those, yeah, those stats don't count scoring goals, obviously. Yeah. So that is better than creating a goal, yeah, <laughs> clearly. But uh, we, you'd like to see some of those other peripherals um, mixed in there to be confident in him starting. Yeah. Uh, next matchup we've got is Brighton Chelsea. Um, we've got a pick 'em here, so no favorite, with an over-under of two and a half goals. Uh, Brighton, no real injuries as of now. Um, it looks like, I don't know, in this matchup, it's it's very difficult to dissect this Brighton team um, because they play attractive football. They keep a lot of possession, but they just aren't getting any results. Um and Chelsea is almost the same team as Brighton right now. They're very good defensively, just not a very potent attacking force. And I I honestly think that this over-under of two and a half, I don't think we see it. I think if this if there is a winner in this one, it might be a one nothing, maybe two to one, but I'm thinking maybe a one nothing one one draw in this matchup um i think the person you start right now for brighton is trossard and everyone else is kind of a toss-up i would wouldn't be even gross yeah i mean he's just not scoring that well mcallister like they just i think you got it yeah I, i don't know i mean there's so many it's basically you're playing floor plays at this point. There's not yeah, much yeah. upside to any of these guys. Besides and in this matchup. Yeah, too. especially, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be – I'd be fine rolling out Caicedo, Gross, uh, McAllister, but I wouldn't be expecting a double-digit return from any of them, really. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe. Um, as far as Chelsea goes, there's really not, I mean, similar to all the other top teams in the league, there's really no one to stream from this team. I mean, Chalaba's probably available. Um, he could be a solid defender, three or four, maybe. He's got good clean sheet potential, doesn't ghost relatively well. 
Um, so you basically do have to get that clean sheet to hit a double-digit return. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like I said with Brighton, it's hard to start the Chelsea attackers in this one too because they're so hot and cold. It's like, okay, uh, Bamiang has to score in order to get double digits. Havertz doesn't ghost very well. Sterling doesn't ghost very well. Mount is a hot and cold player and can ghost really, really well, even if he doesn't have an attacking return. But then there are some games he just disappears. So it's kind of a this game is really a roll of the dice, and I'm I'm kind of avoiding this matchup. And I'm almost glad I don't roster many from either of these teams. Yeah, I agree with that one. It's not very exciting, low scoring. What I'm anticipating, uh, some of the players on paper are going to look better than they actually perform in-game. Chelsea defenders are definitely appealing to me, like uh, Ben Chilwell I, I probably like in this matchup. And uh, I think this could be one for Mount to do pretty well, but Aubameyang, Havertz, I kind of feel the same about both of those fellas. They have not been performing at you know very well as of late. So limit your expectations on them and maybe pivot if you can because Brighton is not actually a bad defensive team. They were stronger before, I know, when they still had Potter, but uh, they know they know Potter, interestingly. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe they're able to take advantage of that and kind of cut some of his tactics out here and we could see a bland game. Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely be an interesting matchup to watch. It's just not something I want to take part of in Fantrax. <laughs> no. Uh, is the Estupignan hype finally dead? Yeah, I dropped him. Deserbi apparently hates him. Like, he just isn't playing. And it's it's weird to me because, I mean... He's shit. giving me left wing back um, Aaron Wambasaka vibes right now. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, he scores well, which sucks because, like, you want to roster him. <laughs> like, yeah. you just need him to play. Yep, Ugh. and he doesn't, so I'm out on him. He's a viable streamer if he's in the starting lineup. Um, as we've seen, even when he only plays, like, 45 minutes, what is he, he scored, like, Seven eight points the other week. So yeah. <laughs> if the worst-case scenario is him getting subbed out at 45 with seven points, then... I'm fine playing him, not in this game, but in the future. But leave him on the waivers and don't leave him on your bench. Yeah, you play him if he starts. Other than that, he's sitting on the waiver wire. Yep. All right. Next game we got here, Brentford Wolves. Uh, Brentford favored by .25 goals with an over-under of 2.5. Uh, Brentford injuries to note. Norgard still out with an injury. It looks like he could be returning soon, which would bolster this midfield for sure give them a little bit more creativity in the middle of the park um brentford i mean you're really only going with your must starts of tony and then the rest of the guys it's pretty much just streaming options at this point and if you think that uh bueno is going to get on the end of a attacking return finally then go for it uh i'm still back in this defense as viable streamer options especially against this wolves side that has only scored five goals the entire season um they attack well they just don't put the ball in the back of the net which is really weird from this side um but 
despite Brentford's 4-0 loss last week, uh, Rico Henry actually ghosted 11.25 points. So he's one to look at, possibly a defender 4-3 option. And then we all know Pinnock uh, ghosts well. It's just a matter of are they going to be sound defensively? Uh, we've seen these before where they go from a 4 nothing loss to a 2 nothing win, and they go from shipping 4 or 5 goals to a clean sheet. So they're probably due for a clean sheet this weekend. <laughs> yeah, with that, I'd probably stream, or not stream, I'd start Pennick as like a defender too mm-hmm. um, with a high clean sheet upside. And the rest of them I'm not very interested in. Rico Henry, you could plug into your lineup for a defender four, but it's the earlier slate, so there's no need to do that. And uh, if we move over to the Wolves side, I'd start Traore as a, as a very, very strong start. I keep seeing people talking about him being on waivers, which is just absolutely ludicrous. I don't understand how that's still the case. I'd love to play in your leagues and take all your money for you, from you for free, but... Yeah, 68% uh, rostered right now. Okay. Yeah, finally, finally be he's being recognized. The the all, all he had to do is score score a goal for once to finally get on people's teams. But he is he is probably in the high forward two category right now. And the only thing keeping him from the forward one category, a top 12 forward, would be... Uh, would be his goal production, which we're mm-hmm. starting to see. So I think you got to kind of ride in the flames for however long this lasts with him. And kind of to a different forward on Wolves, are you starting Diego Costa? Because I can't. I mean... Looking at their last matchup against Leicester, yeah, they lost 4 nothing. But between Costa, Podence, Traore, Moutinho, and Matthias Nunez, all ghosted over eight points that week. I mean, Costa, I think, ended up with 11. So I, if he is going to be the focal point of that shitty attack, I mean, it's still worth a forward three punt if you, like, absolutely need somebody. Like, if you have... I mean, I can't even pull a forward off the top of my head, but if you have somebody that's going into a negative matchup where you're going up against, let's say you have Vardy going up against City or Daka, yeah. I would almost rather take Costa in this aspect because you know that the potential of scoring on Brentford is there. You're going to see more of the ball than you would against City, but... I don't know. It's just until you really see them put the ball in the back of the net, I don't trust this team at all. And I'm like completely out on Ruben Neves. The dude only scores well if a penalty is called in this game and he puts it away. In 11 games, he has three double-digit scores. And they've all come with an attacking return. So he's not even ghosting well. It's just you keep trotting him out there hoping to get a goal or an assist. It's like he's the only one that actually likes to shoot, but nothing's coming off for this team right now. Man. I mean, for me, it's like the Diego Costa or Danny Ings. I'd start Danny Ings. The Danny Ings test is 
is probably my best test I can do for a startable forward. Like, if I would rather start Danny Ings over him, he's not startable. I would say Costa this game week. I know that Villa has the new manager bounce, but they go up against a much better defense than Brentford is. But Brentford at home is a different animal. We've seen it before. I don't know. I don't like either pick, honestly. No. I mean, Diego Costa is closer to getting an AARP membership than he is to getting in my starting lineup, if I'm, That's if I'm being honest. definitely fair. And I think yeah. we just found the title of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Let's, let's right. move on. Yeah, we got to go. <laughs> Bournemouth Spurs. Spurs favored by .75 goals over under sitting at two and a half. Um, Bournemouth looks like are they going to be without Solanke this weekend I've heard conflicting reports that's what I've heard I I can't say I'm uh, fully up to date on the inner machinations of Bournemouth as you know it's it's just too easy to ignore them really yeah and I think this is another case of I'm ignoring them this weekend yeah I'm not playing anybody from Bournemouth some sharp analysis there yeah I'm not touching anyone (laughs) I mean Spurs haven't looked good either in the last week, but this Bournemouth team matter. averages their average XG coming into this game is 0.83. They don't even average a goal a game. So I would say I, the same thing if they were playing Leicester. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I think Spurs are an interesting point this week because we could. I doubt it because Conte's a stubborn bastard, but. With Richarlison and Kulisevsky out, it either comes down to playing a 3-4-3 with Mora or Brian Hill or playing a 3-5-2, which 3-5-2 hasn't really looked very good in the last few weeks or games. And it's only been a week, but it feels like it's been forever. Um, and Brian Hill looked promising coming on in their Champions League game on Wednesday. So he is honestly one of my like dark horse shouts. If he starts, I would play him as a forward three option over both Costa and Inks. Um, I think but, you start everybody. Yeah. And I would say Mora is also a viable streamer depending on the formation they play in. If, if they play a three, four, three, one of those two has to start. So I would definitely stream either one of them. Um, and then I think, if there are any uh, Spurs defenders available on your waiver wire, I'd pick them up for this matchup because I think there's a very high clean sheet probability here. Yeah, I think Lucas is a very high upside midfielder mm-hmm. this week. I'd probably put him in the mid-two category if he starts. Uh, would even potentially be a mid-one if I knew he was going all the minutes. Yeah which is unlikely, especially with his injury history and this only being like his third or fourth game back. Yeah, yeah, which is why he's probably more of a mid-three with mid-two upside, but I like to say mid-two and shoot for the hills. I don't think there's a whole lot more to cover in that matchup. It could be pretty straightforward there. Uh, Let's move on here. We've got Fulham, Everton. Fulham favored by .25 goals with an over-under of 2.5. Um, neither team really has any injuries of note, but uh, this Fulham side, actually both of these teams are playing relatively well for what they are, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, 
Pereira has been pretty lights out le- lately. Double digit hauls in his last four matches. Uh, Williams playing well. Um, Mitrovic back definitely helps this side. Um, I still have many question marks about their defense. Um, I still don't think any of the Fulham defenders are viable starts or streamers this week um, or almost any week. But uh, I think I picked up Bern Leno as a goalkeeper in this matchup just because since he started, he hasn't had a negative game yet or a negative score game. So, hey, what more can you ask for from a goalie? Um <laughs> Is there anybody on this home side that you want to touch on specifically that you think would be a possible starter streamer? Uh, I think I think you pretty much covered it. Uh, I've actually I've been starting Robinson lately, but that is Anthony Robertson Jedi. Yeah. Uh, but and he's ghosted okay. Funny that game that they got a clean sheet. He actually didn't ghost well at all. So <laughs> uh, I guess it was an easy game for him. But. He's he's fine. He's fine, and, and Everton aren't known for getting a ton of goals traditionally. I know they did last game, so definitely take some caution. I'm I'm not looking to start any Fulham defenders if I can help it. Um, and next time I'll have to let people know when I when I drop players because uh, it seems like as soon as I drop Pereira, he just started going crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's been lights out lately, but. I mean, this Everton team is no joke. I mean, defensively, they're pretty sound still. Um, haven't really seen a massive uh, thrashing against this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're starting your usual suspects. You're Gordon and Gray, um, Tarkowski. Uh, I think there are some viable streamers in that defense. It's tough because the likes of Cody and Coleman don't ghost well michaelenko's okay has the potential uh but really that the the diamonds in the rough are in that midfield uh Iwobi's more than likely gone in your league but he's been a fantastic get this season and then onana and gay they're definite definite floor plays at a mid four or five spot if you need somebody to just set in your lineup and you're like hey go out there and get me six seven eight points either one of these guys can go out there and do a job yeah i think i will be campaigning for this year's gallagher yeah yeah he could pick be a, like pick a up comeback of the season player really. of the year mm-hmm. um I, I noticed you omitted king patterson who's returning from injury and will at least be, be an healthy. option <laughs> did, but, yeah. did lampard say he's about he's back He's back in the. He's going to be back in the squad, and it's a decision whether he'll start or not. But you'd think if they're bringing him back three weeks before the World Cup, that he'll see some starter minutes before then. Yeah, definitely, definitely keep an eye on that one. Another guy that's pretty much a lock for six or seven points a game. Um, so, well, I, I don't know if I'd say a lock. I mean, Fulham uh, is as bad King as they are defensively. They. They're favored here, um, slightly at home. I wouldn't. I wouldn't love to stream him. I did pick him up, admittedly, but 
you could do worse around here. I know a lot of the the thing that's tough with some of these matchups are we've got some some of the big boys against the small guys, so that really kind of eliminates the streaming pool for defenders when mm-hmm. all the the you know bullies got their defenders fully owned and the small guys you would be better off not starting a defender at all. So he's an option for sure this week, but I wouldn't be excited about it. It'd be more of like a defender four for me. I think he's going to take out Mitrovic's knees, get away with it, oh, with only a yellow card, and then they'll just be smooth sailing, clean sheet. He'll be good to go. Mm. I'm yeah. not going to comment on that. None of that's probably going to happen. <laughs> uh, next matchup, we got Liverpool and Leeds. Liverpool favored by 1.75 goals. And an over/under sitting here at three and a half. Uh, Zach, go ahead and take us through this Liverpool side. Gladly. Um, yeah, start everybody, except for <laughs> Fabinho. Easy enough. Yeah, that's it. And that is my TED talk. Mic drop. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing else there. I mean, it's one point seven five spread right now with three and a half goals. Leads look like garbage bank on them being garbage until they're not garbage yeah that, that's pretty much it i mean really who do you who do you want to start on leads i guess is my question i mean honestly i use one of my starts of the week which we'll get to but um i would take anybody any attackers from this lead side i mean this is we're getting into these last three games before the World Cup break. We're getting into Jesse March like must win time, or he may not mm. have a job come after the World Cup. But I don't like relying on narratives too much. For you know, you're saying because he would lose his job if they played poorly against a team they're favored to lose by 1.75 goals to, they are going to play well. I'm not saying they're going to go out there and win. But, I mean, Gerard would still be employed right now if that were the case. Yeah, I think but, that. I think there's a there's a chance Leeds play with a lot yeah. of energy. They, they have a are pulse. a decent attacking side, and we have seen Liverpool defensively be a little shaky at times. They're starting to get there, um, and become a little bit more solid. But I think. It's all—it's really going to depend on the lineup that we see from Liverpool because they have such an aging roster and this lead side is pretty young and very energetic. Um, I, I think it's possible that we see whether Leeds score, lose, whether they score one goal, two goals, doesn't matter. I don't really care. I still think that the attackers probably ghost pretty well. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, Patrick Bamford's kind of low on confidence right now. In every interview, Jesse Marsh has he's kind of uh, adding him a little bit in in that, that he knows they need to be more clinical in front of net. So he'll, I think he could get chances here. It, obviously, Liverpool is not impenetrable. I don't think it's, I don't think it's as bad as maybe the spread and the over under tell us, but. I wouldn't be excited about starting them. That's for that's for damn sure. We could get no. Konate back as well in this one, and yeah, we'll see. I mean, Leeds are a high octane offense. Whether whether they score or not, they're going to outrun their opponent most days. Do with that what you will. 
Yeah. It'd be an interesting matchup. It'll be a fun game to watch for sure. Oh, it'll um, be the it'll be the best game of the weekend, I think. Yeah, I think so too. It'll probably be one of the most exciting games for yeah. sure. Um but yeah, I think if you really needed a midfielder to round out your roster, I mean, you could take Roca or Adams. Um, decent defensive midfielders. They're probably going to be pretty busy uh, this weekend. So there's a decent floor play of like five to seven points, um, but nothing crazy there. But, I mean, I would stay away from all Leeds defenders for sure. I mean, there's no way this Liverpool team doesn't score in this matchup. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the final two Sunday games here. Um, pretty lopsided game week. <laughs> All our games on Saturday. Um, we've got Arsenal, Nottingham Forest. Arsenal favored by two goals with an over-under of three. Um, looks like this game is going to be pretty one-sided. Um, Zinchenko still questionable to return. Um, wouldn't even play him if he came back. But, again, really? Arsenal is one of those sides of very little streaming options. So... Yeah, you're not waiting on him. Yeah. Now, I mean, Zinchenko had two solid games. Granted, he only played like six, but and then he's been injured since. But his other four games, I think he ended up with like three negative scores. So it's just if he's not getting you an attacking return, he doesn't ghost relatively well. And I think he he kind of gets lost in the midfield and plays more as a holding midfielder when he's in there um which is kind of similar to Tamiyasu but he stays more outside I don't know it's it's a weird system that uh Zinchenko plays in he's just I mean the consensus that I've seen through like Twitter and the rest of the community is mm, like 70 80 percent of the people are just completely out in Zinchenko and wouldn't even roster him Really, because 95% of people would disagree with that. <laughs> according to fan tracks, but <laughs> in, according to fan tracks, 25% of people still roster Sergio Reguilon, who doesn't even play in the Premier League anymore. So, yeah, got some sharps. <laughs> um, as far as Forrest goes, of not taking the bait on a repeat performance like they had against Liverpool, um, I just don't see them sticking with this Arsenal side. Granted, it looks like Arsenal, they played a weekend side today in their Europa League match against uh, PSV, but they look PSV's a little... a good side, though. They are, but they look a little tired, um, which we could start to see with teams like Arsenal where they don't rotate very often. I mean, if they bring in they bring in maybe like one or two of the same pieces week in and week out, but you have your same starting 11 almost every game. Yeah, they lack a bit of depth, especially with uh, Emil Smith row out. So anyway, yeah. I mean, in this matchup here, you're, it's it's David versus Goliath again, part three here for this weekend. So just start them all. Yep. I wouldn't, I I wouldn't be concerned in the least. I, I know you said you want Sergeant Chenko, but... I mean, if I was out there left back, I I would suggest starting me. So I just <laughs> <laughs> I know Forrest just won against Liverpool, but 
come on, people. We really don't think that. I can give them some credit in that they're probably they're not as bad as they were earlier in the season, and they Correct. probably will trend upward. You know. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, we the knew it was going to take that time trend. with the amount of signings they had. Yeah, the slope of that trend is going to be so infinitesimally small. Yeah. Uh, that I still have no confidence in them at this point, and they are probably getting relegated, but. Yeah, just start all your Arsenal guys, bench all your Forest guys. The end, move on. Let's go to West Ham versus, uh, or let's go to Man United versus West Ham. Let's do it. United favored by .75 goals, over under 2.75. Uh, United looks like they're going to be without Varane, and Martial is still questionable. Um, this Man United side is playing pretty well as of late. Um, defenses stepping up although we'll see how that changes with Veron out um Shaw and Dallo I think are must start defenders as of right now um they're playing very well and a possible streamer to look at is Fred uh I know we said it when they played against Tottenham that worked out relatively well I think he scored what 27 points 25 um, but I'm avoiding the central defenders for United, and then I don't own any other attackers, but they're kind of just a hodgepodge right now. You don't really know where the goals are coming from right at this point. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, they're still favored, and you expect them to win. You don't, you don't have a clue. It could be anybody on any given week, and the guy who doesn't get the goal kind of puts up a stinker. Yeah, didn't I see that uh, when I was looking at your shot creating actions graph, Fred was like up there. Oh, you saw it correctly. He's uh, eighth in shot creating actions per 90, but that's a bit loaded when he's only had the, what, two, two sets of 90 had, minutes? Yeah, he's only completed yeah. 90 I mean, twice. It doesn't doesn't, you know, take away from his substitute appearances and whatnot, but it it bodes well for his offensive contributions in the future. Maybe it's a you know different system and he's able to get forward a bit more. But I mean, the goal he got the I don't know if anyone saw the goal he got the other day. It was like a deflection. The one um, against Spurs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you definitely saw that one. Yeah. That oh was, yeah. I mean, it was going that was, completely. It was, horrible. it was going to the right hand side of the goal and ended up in the left. So. Yeah. I know that's not a shot creating action. I'm just I'm just saying, you know, as to his ability to get forward, he he's probably a bit of a lie seeing as we I can look at him right now wedged between Jack Harrison and Trent Alexander-Arnold in terms of shot creating actions and um, I'm sure he's probably not doing too bad in some other metrics right now. He's he's playing in prime Fred. So, stay in the fire for right now as a mid 3-4. But yeah. Uh, he's he's best used, I think, this week as like uh, if you have a guy in the earlier slates who doesn't play, toss Fred out there and feel good about his floor if you know if he starts, which he should, I think, because Casemiro and Erickson started today. Yeah, I think Casemiro. I would start either of Fred or Erickson as long as Casemiro starts. If your midfield duo is Fred and Erickson, then I'd be a little worried. Good point, um, yeah. 
but Casemiro really solidifies that central defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like to see, as an Erickson owner in one league, him get forward a little more. Um, so... I, I don't know if we see that, but it could. It should only get better as we move on in the season, I think. Yeah, I think Casemiro coming into his own unlocks that potential, especially against teams that are going to sit lower. Um, and, I mean, moving into this West Ham side, you've got Dawson questionable, Paqueta questionable, Bowen uh, today was just said to be uh, have a slight injury, so we'll see how that comes through this weekend. Um, but I mean, this West Ham side has been rotated heavily over the last few weeks because of injury. So their back line really hasn't been able to be solidified. Um, I'm avoiding all defenders, not named Cresswell for West Ham. Cresswell just goes really well. So, um, he's a viable starter week in and week out, but this could potentially be a two to three goal game for Man United, so might hurt Cresswell in this aspect. Um, is there anybody in this West Ham side that you think is like a must start or you're looking to stream? Uh, no, not really. I mean, Cresswell we saw goes pretty well last week, so uh, I think you roll him out there as like a defender two, maybe defender three. Um, since Man United are favored here at home. Uh, and then, you know, the obvious starts if they play up top. So, mm. I think we might see, if Bowen is injured, I think we could see a, a attacking pair of Antonio and Skamaka, which could be pretty interesting, especially with Varane out. I think they lose a lot of that um, aerial support. Uh, I know Martinez isn't necessarily bad in the air, but I'm going to take the dude that's like 6'7 and good in the air versus the guy that's 5'7 and good in the air. So, I don't know. It could be an interesting matchup for West Ham. We'll see what kind of lineup comes out of this. Yeah. I. You could see any number of things, but it's Moyes, so I temper your expectations. Yeah, I'm not thrilled by this West Ham side at all, really, this year. All right, let's finish this off here with our starts of the week. Um, Let's start off with our defenders here. Would you like to go first? I would love to. So I, for, for my defender, I've got Luke Shaw, who has been playing pretty well as of late and looks to have displaced Malasia, who... Lassie got the start today. I'd expect Shaw to start here pretty confidently. And I think all it took was Malassia coming into the squad to kind of light a fire under his ass, just like Tellus did a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a game where Man United's favored at home, and I expect them to have some chances to clean sheet where Shaw could end up getting forward. Uh, I like him this week in a you know week where some people might not be starting him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I opted for the entire back line of Tottenham. So I think that they are in a pretty plus matchup against Bournemouth, especially if Solanke does not start. Um, You take away the guy that has scored like 60% of their goals, and they've only scored like, I don't know, eight 
nine. I don't even remember how many goals they've scored so far this year. Actually, I want to check real quick. Uh, ten. So, actually, Billing has the most at three, and I think he's tied with Solanke. Either way, start your Spurs defenders in this matchup, and then I also have Pinnock. Um, ghosts relatively well. They get, just got beat by four goals, uh, so they're due for a clean sheet. That's just how this Brentford team works. <laughs> they get they're destroyed, due. and then they keep a clean sheet. <laughs> <laughs> they um, are overdue. I like that. That's a good play. Um, and Spurs defenders, yeah, like we said, start all of them, but obviously some have more upside than others. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll take us on to the midfielders then, where I've got Elliot, who I believe I had last week as a strong start, and I'm going to stay in the flames with him. I think he has been a pivotal, pivotal player for Liverpool to keep them in some of these games. He's the only one really sparking any sort of creativity. Uh, we'll see how it works when Thiago comes back in the squad, if, if he does. Because he can sometimes cannibalize some of Elliot's production in that sense, but I really like him, and he's got a great matchup this week against Leeds, who are just forfeiting points to midfielders for fun. So, yeah, I'm very confident in him this week, and if he's on your wire still, uh, definitely pick him up. I, I think I saw someone use a waiver pick in one of my leagues on him, so there's a chance. Yeah. Uh, and then my other guy is the, I think we brought him up earlier, was uh, Lucas Mora for Tottenham in case he starts at that right wing spot. Even right wing back, I'd uh, start him. I think he's a fantastic start this week as a, uh, like I said, um, probably a, a low mid two. And, you know, there's every chance to get goals. I think Bournemouth may start to trend toward that team that we pick on uh, in a week by week basis here. So. Mm-hmm. Stick with the uh, stick with the Tottenham players this week. That's the theme. <laughs> Even though they uh, don't look great, we're still backing them. Uh, my midfielders, I went with a safe floor option, and then a player that's just been very consistent the last few weeks. So safe floor plays midfield wise. I kind of already talked about it. Onana, uh, you could throw Gai in there too. But just a guy that's going to get you a solid six to eight points with some upside. Onana has more upside than Gay. Um, just because of his aerial prowess, he's always a threat on a set piece. And then uh, I went with Andreas Pereira in the midfield. Uh, we talked about it earlier, but four consecutive double-digit game weeks. Um, riding him out, it's actually in the same matchup. But I still think that his stock is rising. And you just got to keep rolling them out there until you see otherwise. Um, as far as the attackers go, let's hear what you got. I've only got one this week. It's Adama Traore, who has averaged roughly 13 points per game in the past four weeks, despite not even seeing the full 90 minutes in every game. He only played 57 minutes uh, two games ago because they're trying to manage him. So. Uh, he's had the full week off to rest and uh, recharge, so I think he should go out there in what looks to be a pretty good matchup for him uh, against Brentford, and he should, you know, he might not score, so you might be able to have your Pinnock share do well while Adama still does well. 
yeah. uh, which would be nice. So I, I really like him this week. He is, he is a forward one for me. <laughs> nice. Uh, my attackers here spoke about one of them earlier, but the Leeds asset, uh, Aronson, the American, gotta love him. But I think, I mean, I put him in the attacker category. I know he's a mid, but he just seems to be a part of that front three, four diamond shape-ish that Leeds runs out there. Those guys kind of just interchange all over the park. But he's got a safe-ish floor of like five, six points, but he also has the upside of getting you 20 points, 17 points. Um, He's got the capability to hit those double digits. And I know we're not really expecting a whole lot going into a matchup against Liverpool. And God damn, I just noticed that almost all of my like starts of the week are playing each other. (laughs) Um, But I I think that you have um, the Liverpool side that are still not as solid as we've seen them in the past. Uh, There is something to be had from this lead side. I don't know if they'll get it, but I think Aaron still scores well. Uh, but on the flip side of that matchup, I think Firmino is a really good forward option here. Um, he's scoring really well so far this season. Uh, I think he's probably even surprised by the amount of playing time he's getting, but it's just because there's been so decimated by injuries. Um, he's just been forced into certain roles. Uh, but he does a really good job of linking the play up um, between the midfield and forward line of... Uh, I mean, what will be Salah and probably Nunes. Um, so, yeah, he's my other attacking option. Awesome. Uh, awesome. What do you say we get to some questions? Yeah, to end this off, we've got a few questions here. I got the reminder out late. That's uh, my fault here in asking for questions. But we've got one here from Alice in Wonderland, Dan, on Twitter. Uh, best and worst trades you guys have ever been a part of. My worst last season traded out Sun and McGinn and traded in Trincao, Cresswell, and Harrison. Dropped him right right before he found form. The guy I traded won the league and I ended bottom three. My best, hopefully one of the 14 trades I've made in the International Genie League. Holy crap, this dude is just trading out of his mind. I feel like I'm in his division and I see a new trade uh, notification like every three days, what seems like. Um, I'll let you take this one first. I don't think I've had too many trades that I've regretted to my core. Nothing nothing like this. That's a uh, you know foundational negative memory of fantasy soccer, but... Uh, one I had this this year, I can say is definitely not looking good. Is uh, trading Joelinton in for, or tra- trading Joelinton out to get Cristiano Ronaldo. Hmm. That was back on Thursday, August eighteenth. For context. That kind of hurts. Yeah. So I was uh, trying to. Th- thought I was buying low on Ronaldo and selling high on Jolinton and while Jolinton hasn't lit the world on fire as of late he's definitely been a pretty solid midfielder when he's been on the field so uh yeah definitely not happy I made that trade yeah I I mean I've had 
like solid trades in the past, but I can't remember the trades I made from three seasons ago. But there's one that sticks out to me in my home league this year that I'm like, it's not an awful trade, but I traded Mount for Erickson, which Mount's had like two really solid games. And in one of those, he absolutely destroyed me, (laughs) which sucked. But Erickson's just been (laughs) like six points here and there, which really sucks. Uh, That's got to be the most painful thing in fantasy when you trade someone, your guy, and, and they come he back and beat just you. Comes back and <laughs> takes you behind the woodshed. Yeah, it was the first time he scored over double digits all season, and he dropped like twenty five points. I was like, "Fuck oh, this!" Man. I'm so pissed. <laughs> uh, but actually, coincidentally enough, Dan, uh, the best trade I've made uh, was with you so far this season. Um, this trade consisted of me trading out Pedro Neto, Pascal Gross, and Joel Matip. Two of those three players are currently injured, and I got in return Jack Grealish and Diego Dello. So, I don't like to say that there's winners and losers in trades, but, I mean, it, it was an automatic L when Neto's, like, injured for the season basically well Mm -hmm. until like february probably yeah so it just it was really shitty luck because we literally made the trade and then like that game week he got hurt i I felt so bad but uh those are always tough yeah but it's not like you're gonna reverse it so no better luck next year all right final question here uh richard barnes a yard question mark i was like at first i read it i was like what what does this even mean i had to look him up knife a guard the west ham defender feeling a good pickup question mark uh he hasn't played a premier league match i didn't even know who he was uh i i know of him only because i have a friend who's uh, a West Ham, West Ham fan, and is definitely very excited about his potential in the squad. But as far as it relates to fantasy, we have—I mean, we have uh, Draft Lads European um, history tracker that we can look at if we would like to get some stats on this guy. And you know, take that with a grain of salt since it's obviously in the league. Uh, but I don't think you're expecting much. I guess the what to consider is what's your best case outcome for a West Ham defender? I, like I think Zuma's pretty good as far as as far as things go as a as a defender for that team. And he's probably one of the best center backs they've had for a bit. So mm-hmm. uh, do you think he's going to be better than Zuma? Do you think he, you know, is going to get forward and get lots of header goals? Because I just don't see him. I don't see them keeping enough clean sheets. I don't think he's going to get forward much. I know he he could maybe get involved further up the pitch a little more than Zuma is would. Is he a but center back? He is a center back. Yeah, okay. can, he's also able to play outside back. I think he's got a little bit, a little bit of pace on him. Not a ton, but enough maybe to play one of those outside back positions. Yeah. But he's projected to play center back, I believe, this week. 
So I mean, his expected return date from injury is November 6th, so that's, what, next weekend? I mean, he has yet to appear in a Premier League match, like I said. Uh, I doubt we see him in one until after the World Cup, so I wouldn't waste a roster spot on him right now. Well, he now. started today. Oh, he did? He did, yeah. He played. They played Silkborg and uh one one nothing okay so he he's healthy that might that probably they probably weren't expecting him back quite yet and maybe he doesn't start on the weekend and it was just a tester he came out on the 76th minute but yeah he's got to keep an eye on but don't don't pick him up and and yeah. don't drop Gwedesh for him which was the second part of this question shall yeah, shall you ditch, ditch Gwedesh yeah um i would not yet only because of the forward landscape but you can yeah. No, that doesn't answer your question because <laughs> you're not looking for a fence sitter there, but it's a loaded question that has more to do with your roster construction. Exactly. Than does he, because yeah. he hasn't scored well, but we know that the forward landscape is terrible. Like you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to find a decent replacement for him. Um, I think as of right now, personally, I'm comfortable only rostering, like two or three forwards, like three at the max. And I would almost rather rotate out my two forwards and continue to play like five midfielders. Yeah, three, five, two is the best formation this year for most people. Yeah. Yeah, just because the defender scoring has been miserable as well. It's well, really recently just... we've had a bunch of clean sheets. Yeah. Uh, if you got if you got leagues like, where you can start two goalies, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the ghost point potential for defenders is pretty low, so yeah. the like total points scored between midfielders, midfielders and defenders, like your average midfielder scores like two hundred and fifty points by this game week, and your average defenders like a hundred and twenty. So yeah, definitely you want to three five two is the way to go. Don't overthink it. Um, the exception of like certain leagues, like I know I have one where I have like Holland, Rashford, Zaha up top. Like, okay, in that scenario, you can start three forwards, but in my other league, I got like Daka, Holland, Iboni, and just some other waiver wire garbage. So it's like, are you really gonna start three forwards when those are the guys you got? Yeah, no. go with go with the three five two. And just to clarify, I just pulled those numbers out of my ass for the defenders and midfielders. Midfielders are averaging around, like, I don't know, the top 20 or around 100 to 130, where the defenders are between 75 and 90. So there is a gap there. Um, So, yeah, I would definitely start more mids than defenders for sure. Um, But I would be... Uh, also in the bracket of starting more mids than forwards, too. Yeah, I agree. All righty. That's going to wrap things up for this week's episode. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, go out, send us any more questions you have leading into this game week. We appreciate the uh, support. And uh, let's get after game week 14 here. Let's do it. All right. Take care, everybody. Peace. Peace.